Do you want an amazing marriage? Are you ready to take your marriage to the next level? Then stick around for your Marriage Matters podcast with Marriage Coach Lynn. Let's put some fun and sizzle into your relationship. Hi, today's book is Loving Solutions, Overcoming Barriers in Your Marriage. I'm going to talk about a few trouble spots in marriage and focus on a few chapters of this book. We'll talk about the irresponsible spouse, the controlling spouse, and the verbally and physically abusive spouse and some possible loving solutions to these predicaments. The first thing we need to realize is that most people aren't monsters and downright evil, lost, sinister souls. We need to try to understand our spouse's motives and destructive behavior if you're dealing with that. We need to uncover the hidden needs and try to help our spouse deal with those needs in a healthier way. There is some brokenness or force inside them that needs to find a different way of expressing itself. Gary Chapman says that we're influenced by our personality, not controlled by it. He says that there are four common personality types. The peacemaker, who wants to smooth things over and create an environment of easygoing, calm, and well-balanced energy. There's the controller, who is concerned with the big picture and not the details. This person is ambitious, quick, active, opinionated, decisive, and a planner. The caretaker is one who is a self-sacrificing, gifted perfectionist and who's on the lookout to help and serve others. The party maker is warm, lively, excited extrovert who doesn't like solitude. This person often operates in the moment and is concerned with everyone being happy. This person likes being surrounded by friends and is sometimes seen as unpredictable and undisciplined. I mention this because before we launch into loving solutions to difficult problems, we need to know our basic personality characteristics as well as our spouses. We need to know what is hidden about our spouse, the motivations, needs, ways he or she expresses love, how he or she deals with pain, suffering, and pleasure. Let's say we have a workaholic spouse, someone who seems to derive pleasure and meaning from working more than 70 hours per week, sometimes including holidays, missing important family celebrations, not having a life that includes any outside interests or hobbies. This person might have an inferiority complex and definitely people will seem to think there is brokenness from childhood. So perhaps your spouse is running away from the pain of an alcoholic father who showed physical abuse to his mom and him by becoming a workaholic family man. So if your spouse is a workaholic person, he or she could be hiding from his fear of being a horrible father like his dad was. He doesn't want to confront anything, especially his own perception or inadequacies. The funny thing is, is that he's also escaping and evading, but using a different method than substance abuse. The workaholic person most likely was not affirmed and did not experience unconditional love as a child. The workaholic spouse is motivated by a need for love. And don't you find that interesting that oftentimes 
the spouse feels hurt that their spouse doesn't want to spend time with them and so it's actually ironic that the workaholic spouse actually has a need for love but isn't very good at showing it or expressing it as a spouse of a highly driven working spouse remember that he or she is broken and dying to be loved many spouses will push their spouse away thinking the spouse doesn't love them that's almost always completely opposite of what's going on before you use tough love on this type of spouse reach down deep for a soft and tender approach a seemingly opposite type of workaholic spouse is the irresponsible spouse the kind who might gamble or go from job to job hoping to cut a lucky break without having to work hard you might see this person as lazy but again this is a person who has not healed his or her brokenness and is running away not facing the pain of learning to like and love himself this person might seem lazy and yes it appears that way the person is sometimes too overwhelmed and doesn't know where to begin this person will need assistance in getting going and getting a fire lit under his butt this person might be converted into a responsible person if and when he or she can find meaning in his or her life and a job that the person can shine in and is appreciated in making a difference let's talk about the controlling spouse what I mean here is that the person who is so dominating that they are not relationship oriented the behavior change might emerge after the wedding day you didn't see it coming this person is afraid not necessarily arrogant and proud the loving solution in dealing with a controlling personality is to deal with his or her freedom you must give your spouse freedom while at the same time giving yourself freedom some people think freedom for one person means lack of freedom for another but that's not true in addition to freedom the controller needs to feel significant one who dominates wants to be noticed they want to matter know that the self-worth of most controllers is tied to their performance they like to reach goals and tasks they set for themselves so find opportunities for your spouse to shine in these areas get involved in a church group or club where this spouse can be the leader and share their contributions that way you definitely don't influence a controller by arguing or trying to persuade them to do something they don't want to do you influence by agreement but don't let yourself get pulled into agreements and the agenda of the controller remember to not penetrate the self-worth of the controller you agree but don't allow yourself to be dominated and controlled and this is tricky and may take some time to learn how to do when you assert your freedom to make decisions you're helping your spouse understand your actions that freedom is a two-way street and that all of us need a measure of freedom apply this approach consistently it's a more balanced approach to life your spouse should come to respect your freedom I say should because there are a few personality types such as narcissistic personality disorder that might not like you to see you asserting yourself especially if there's been a pattern for many years some people choose to work around a difficult personality meaning they let them get their way and neglect to assert themselves 
remember this phrase, influencing by agreement. Another approach to dealing with some of these difficult situations is, is to play to your partner's strengths. Sometimes you can't win the argument, but you can prolong it enough so that maybe your spouse will get to thinking. You can both be firm, but you refuse to be controlled. You might be able to be a positive change agent, and I hope you are if you find yourself in this situation. Let's talk about the uncommunicative spouse. The person usually has unmet needs. During childhood, this person might have gotten his or her way by being silent. The uncommunicative spouse could also show stonewalling. One thing you can do is ask yourself how effective you've been in speaking your spouse's love language for the past few weeks. Many partners will focus on the silence rather than the reason for the silence. Be a listener, not a condemner or criticizer. With this type of difficulty, a spouse might not want to try to confront or initiate a conversation to get the spouse talking for fear of a negative response. Some spouses might have outbursts directed at their spouse. Some might criticize or turn it around back into your face. In other words, some feel that their spouse will get defensive I want to say that reciprocating with silence won't get you very far. Just know that perhaps in childhood, this person wasn't allowed to express their heartfelt feelings and aren't equipped to do so. The problem with living with a silent partner is that it often builds resentment in the frustrated spouse who runs the risk at forming resentment. A big question for you to consider is this. Does my communication pattern make it difficult for my spouse to talk? Please listen to my series on communication, especially the episode on nonviolent communication technique. With any of these situations I talk about today, don't suffer in silence, especially if you've tried a lot. Get coaching, counseling. A few sessions may give you the answers that you need. Abuse is another situation in which we need to find loving solutions. The solution is not to abandon ship right away. There are many levels of abuse. Verbal abuse destroys our trust, admiration, and intimacy. The verbally abusive spouse is out to punish, belittle, and control his partner and, it, and does so compulsively and constantly showing little empathy for the feelings of the spouse. With long-time abuse, the victim spouse may feel like a deadening of the emotions, hurt, anger, and apathy for the spouse. The abuser often has low self-esteem, perfectionism, and will often explode because they feel threatened. They must always win the argument, and deep down, they want approval and not criticism although you would never guess that. Their greatest fear is that they will be worthless. You know, you think of some of these negative traits and behaviors as domineering and chosen, but I hope this book is helping you see things from a slightly different way. Abusers shut others down so that there's no response or authenticity shared with them, which might touch upon their vulnerabilities, which they avoid at all costs. So you see who you're, we're dealing with here. It's kind of like a big bully, but it's really a big, weak person. 
What are some loving solutions for this type? You as the spouse must first have enough self-esteem before you have the emotional energy to take constructive action based on your needs, your need to not be dominated or bulldozed over. You have to affirm your need to your spouse while rejecting their behavior, letting him or her know that it's unacceptable to be treated how they are treating you. Now, some of these things we talk about here on this podcast might get too complex. As you listen to these episodes, consider whether professional counseling may be needed. It gets very tricky if both of you are unaffirmed, and it gets very tricky in dealing with a lot of these personality types and behaviors and so it's very important to develop a deeper awareness of what's going on. With abusers, you need to believe in the worth of your partner. If you think lowly of your partner, that's not a good mindset as you try to affect change. Be sure to share your feelings in a non-threatening way and then agree on a strategy for change. You could say things like, I believe in you. One of the worst things that can happen, and that usually happens, is that the spouse gives in and does whatever the abuser is requesting in order to keep the peace. But you're not really keeping any peace in your relationship. And guess what? This encourages the abuser and sets a pattern, and a pattern continues. The bottom line is that we need to take responsibility for our own attitudes. We can't change the abuser's behavior, but we can influence it. So moving on to physical abuse. There's a common cycle. The tension builds, which could last one hour to several months. The spouse withdraws and placates. The abuser's anger escalates to an explosive point, which involves battery, beating, etc. The tension drops and the abuser seems remorseful because the abuser's guilt and or the victim's guilt takes over and doesn't want to lose their spouse. The abuse continues due to misplaced self-blame, hope, which turns into helplessness. The victim could be a rescuer and prefers to bond to the warmer side of the abuser. There's justification or rationalization that the abuser meets some of the victim's needs. And this is why people stay with a verbal or physical abusers. There's a, a small part of them that they really love and hang on to. And the victim is usually desperate for love. Be careful of isolation, fear, and belief that you are economically dependent on your spouse. You don't have to carry the horror of this dangerous secret. What you need to do is to search for a personal human significance and to build self-esteem. Here is a title of a book that Gary Chapman recommends. I haven't read it, but I'll give you the title. It is called The Search for Significance, Seeing Your True Worth Through God's Eyes by Robert McGee, M-C-G-E-E. Going from bad to worse, what loving solutions can we find for sexual abuse? I have another book title on this subject. Beyond the Darkness, Healing for Victims of Sexual Abuse by Cynthia A. Kubitin, K-U-B-E-T-I-N, and James Mallory, M.D. In these types of situations, the victim needs to find a trained counselor outside the marriage 
the abuser must be willing to deal openly, honestly, and thoroughly with his problem in order to see change and improvement. And I want to strongly agree with what Dr. Chapman says, time does not heal sexual abuse. Breaking the barriers of denial, guilt, shame, anger, and fear must first precede healing, not just time. Let's say there isn't sex abuse going on in the marriage, but one of the partners was sexually abused as a child or teen. If the person hasn't healed sufficiently, there could be problems related to sexuality. There could be blame and manipulation and distorted emotions. A skilled counselor would be a good place to start. The last type of situation that warrants a loving solution is the unfaithful spouse. We've talked about this in another podcast episode, and we know that sexual infidelity destroys security, and it leaves in its wake fear, doubt, distrust, and a sense of betrayal. If you are in this situation, please reject the following myths. That your state of mind is determined by your environment. That people cannot change. That you have two main courses of action to resign yourself to a life of misery or to get divorced. The last myth is that your situation is hopeless. During the healing process, you cannot change your spouse, his or her behavior. You cannot guarantee future faithfulness, but what you can do is to build an intimate marriage, the two of you together. You can both come to understand each other and respect your individual differences and meet each other's needs. The key is that it takes two to rebuild and make a thriving marriage. Forgiveness is imperative. There are open wounds and scars that need to heal. Remorse and genuine attempts to restore the love are needed by the offending spouse. Most important is that the offending spouse must realize the depth of your hurt and that you might experience anger, rage, blame, and aggressiveness as you are recovering. I'd like to end today's episode with six realities for troubled marriages. I will post them on my website, marriagecoachlynn.com. Number one, I am responsible for my own attitude. Number two, attitude affects actions. Number three, I cannot change others, but I can influence others. Number four, my actions are not controlled by my emotions. Number five, admitting my imperfections does not mean that I am a failure. Number six, love is the most powerful weapon for good in the world. I hope today's episode shed some light on some of the difficulties we can face in marriage. Thanks for joining me on the Your Marriage Matters podcast. Loving your spouse is a choice, and we are called to love during some of our most darkest moments. Make your marriage great. 